Let's praise the Lord. You're all welcome to this uh, time of fellowship together once again. Shall we bow down in prayer? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, indeed, we give you glory. We give you honor for they all belong to you. And Lord, to come again at this part of the day, to sit at your feet and to dine from your table, Lord, we consider it a privilege. And so, Lord, we continue to open our hearts to you as we invite you to come into our life, empty us of anything that is not of you. The Lord, as your word is proclaimed, we shall be able to have our hearts receive it, and that, Lord, our lives will be transformed by the power of your word. And, Lord, I declare myself, Lord God, empty that, Lord, your word will pass through me unhindered to reach out to your people. We give you thanks, we give you praise, for in the mighty name of Jesus Christ we pray and believe. Amen. Uh, as you've heard, my name is Emmanuel Nenboth. I do work here as the Cathedral Verger. I am born again, and that's the greatest gift that I can boast about. The rest of the thing, I can only say it's all by grace that I am what I am, because I consider my past as uh, something that is forgotten and uh, the new life that I'm living now is what Christ has done it for me and that's the reason why I continuously boast of one thing that Christ has saved me and he has changed my destiny. Praise the Lord. We want to welcome all of you, those who are here physically and even those who are with us online. Our text for today comes from the first letter of John, first John chapter 2, first John chapter 2, reading from verse 15 to 17. First John chapter 2, reading from verse 15 to 17. And it says, Do not love the world or anything that belongs to the world. If you love the world, you do not love the Father. Everything that belongs to the world, what the sinful desire, self desires, what people see and want, and everything in, in this world that people are so proud of, none of these comes from the Father. It all comes from the world. And the world and everything in it that people desire is passing away. But those who do not, who do the will of God live forever. Praise the Lord. Our topic for sharing this afternoon says dealing with 
distractions in walking with God. Dealing with distractions in walking with God. Friends, I want to believe that uh, the call of God will always come to us at a time that we least expect. And such calls may not necessarily come because we are tired of the things of this world. And quite often it comes in the midst of that growing desire to enjoy the things of this world, when you still have a heart that is desiring to have this, to have that. That's when the call of God will come to us. It doesn't come because we have shut up our life from the world. We are tired of the world now. We want something new. No. So in the midst of all these things, the cravings is when the Lord will send his call towards us. And you know that the things that our flesh, our body desires, in Galatians 5, Verse 17 says, the desires of the flesh is contrary to what the spirit desires. And whatever the spirit desires is also contrary to what the flesh desires. And so we find ourselves at war within ourselves. So we are at war every other time and so when they say a man is actually a moving civil war, yes. We know that we move daily and there's a lot that goes on. You ask a question and you're the one to struggle to answer it. And so because of all this, we are restless as long as we are in this flesh. And so by nature, the flesh will always crave for things that gratify it. By nature, that's what we are programmed for, that your sinful nature, your sin, the flesh will always desire the things that actually gratify it. And so in all this, we see that this is what is described in the text that we have uh, read in First John chapter 2, verse 15, loving the world. So when we give our heart to the things of this world, and the Bible is saying all these things that we desire, things that we crave for, are temporary. They are passing away. But it says those who seek to please the Lord those are the ones that will actually live forever. So this text is cautioning us not to love the world because the world and all that is in it is passing away. Now in our walk with the Lord, we can't do any better than our Lord Jesus Christ for he is our mentor, he's our savior, and he is the one that actually we are following in his footstep. So we can't do any better than him, much as we know that Jesus Christ, as he came to this world, he was fully God and fully human. He was not half-half, no. 
He was fully God and fully human. But we know that Jesus Christ made a choice when he left his father's house in heaven to come in this sinful world. He made a choice to let his flesh be sacrificed in order that he remains obedient to his father's expectation. He made a choice. The things that we do go through, Jesus Christ went through it. That's why the Bible says he was also tempted the way we are tempted. You remember in those three occasions where the devil came and tempted Jesus Christ. And I really must say in our struggles, quite often when the devil approaches us, he knows our weaknesses. And the devil is one whom we can call a strategist. He will never bring a temptation which is irrelevant. He knows how to strategize. We know in the three cases where Jesus Christ was tempted that he brought a temptation to deal with the food after knowing that Jesus Christ had spent 40 days without eating and he was really hungry. Making it something that is relevant. And he knows the rest of the things are also things that the flesh continue to actually crave for. And so the devil knows your weakness, knows my weakness, and every other time the devil brings a temptation to make sure that he uses the flesh to pull you down. And so when we dwell on what the flesh desires, many times we are able to walk in disobedience towards God. And that's why when Jesus Christ made that choice, he walked in obedience. And to show that actually he was not just supernatural, he was fully in the flesh, we see that the time he was arrested, the night before his uh, crucifixion, he had time to go and pray with his disciples shortly before he was arrested. And all that he went through when he was in that garden of Gethsemane was actually expressing what was on his heart. And so the disciples he went with could not understand what he was going through, but it was the flesh at work. And that's why the prayer that he prayed to his father was, Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. What was speaking? The flesh. And at the same time, when the spirit now took over, he said, not my will, but let your will be done. And the Bible says, at that point, the angels came and strengthened him. Brethren, the flesh is one of the three enemies that we are actually made aware of at the time of our baptism. You know, at the time of baptism is when you are actually recruited as a soldier of Christ. 
When they say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then they sign you with the sign of the cross, meaning from that time you are supposed to profess the faith of Christ that is crucified and fight valiantly under his banner against these three enemies. And who are these three enemies? Enemy number one is the flesh. Enemy number two is the world. And enemy number three is the devil. Now of all these three enemies, we see that the worst of it is the flesh. Why am I saying it is the flesh which is the worst? It is with us 24-7. It will never give you time. It is possible to actually close yourself away from the world. You can exclude yourself where you are not able to see anything. You are able to keep yourself away from things that you would hear. But the flesh is still with you. That's why even in the midst of the night where you have closed your eyes and it's all around you is darkness, you cannot actually escape from the flesh. There are sins you will commit even when you are asleep. Why? Because the flesh is with you. In your thought, the flesh is moving all over. And so we find ourselves in a difficult position. So Jesus Christ overcame simply because he had to make a choice and say, not as I will, but let your will be done. Meaning he had to surrender the flesh in order to be crucified. Now, if Jesus Christ, who is fully God and fully human, can have such a situation and he expresses his weakness, are you better than him? No. It's all by grace that we are able to stand. So, as we fight this war, we must get to know that the flesh being alive will always suppress what the spirit desires. Because Jesus Christ in his cry says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We know the right thing to do, but quite often the demand of the flesh will always cripple our spirit. The demands of the flesh will always shout louder so that we cannot even hear the voice of the spirit. The spirit of God is always communicating with us. But sometimes we make a choice to actually listen to the voice of the enemy. And that's why we get ourselves in a situation where we begin to struggle to obey God, and yet we are actually leaning on the side of the flesh. Now, Jesus Christ, teaching his disciples in Mark chapter 8, verse 34. I want us to read that. Mark 
chapter 8, verse 34. This is what it says. Then Jesus began to teach. His disciples, the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. He will be put to death, but three days later he will rise to life. He made this very clear to them. So Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples and rebuked Peter. Get away from me, Satan, he said. Your thoughts don't come from God, but from human nature. Verse 34, he says, Then Jesus called the crowd and his disciples to him. He says, If anyone wants to come with me, he told them, he must forget self. Other versions say, he must deny himself. Carry his cross and follow me. If anyone is to be my disciple, if one wants to follow me, if one walks toward, one wants to walk with me, first thing is, he must deny himself. He must forget self. Friends, one of the things that we struggle with is loving ourselves so much so that we don't see how we can hate ourselves, hating your body to such an extent that say, yes, my body, I know you need food, but I'm not going to give you this food because I'm working on a serious agenda with the Lord that can only be done when I keep myself away from food. How many times has the Lord prompted you to fast? And it was on such a day when you purpose to actually remain in the presence of God that you'll have the worst temptation ever. Even the one who used not to actually invite you for lunch will make that offer. The one who has never even invited you for a birthday party on such a day when you have set yourself to be in the presence of the Lord is when the invitation comes. And quite often it is the flesh that we struggle with where you say, I think I will continue with the fast another day as I finish up this. Brethren, if Jesus Christ chose on that day to turn the stone into bread, we would have lost it. If Jesus Christ chose in any of those three cases, to obey what the flesh was telling him, each one of us would be still fighting for our salvation to this day. 
Brethren, until when we allow the spirit to rule over the flesh, we can never walk in obedience to what God wants us to do. And so the struggle is still on, and we see that we are supposed to deny ourselves. So self-denial is one way we can gain victory over the flesh. Because the flesh is always speaking and speaking louder. The flesh is always shouting. And sometimes it's very difficult to hear the voice of God when the flesh is still alive. Because the temptations that will come will always appear like without it, you will stop breathing. We know the temptation that Adam and Eve went through in that garden. And that is to show how powerful sin is. They were fully human and their flesh actually took over. When the serpent came to, to Eve, you remember he presented himself as one who was coming to give them a solution. And asking them the question, you know, they were fully aware of what God really required of them. Say, did God really tell you? Did God really say? And they knew. So from there they began to debate. Maybe we did not hear well. Maybe it is true. And when they were sure that actually God spoke, he had to bring in another lie. Saying, no, God knew that actually if you eat of this fruit, what will happen? Your eyes are going to be open. And you'll begin to see things the way he, he does. Who doesn't want such a position where you begin to see things like God sees? You will begin to behave like God does. Something that you can actually crave for. And before long, actually presented the fruit. And the Bible says, behold, as she saw the fruit, it was pleasant to her eyes. Good for eating. Mouth-watering. Water, mouth and so something that the devil presents to us, brethren, he does not present sin as you would taste aloe vera. If sin was bitter, nobody would be able to commit it. No. Sin will always present itself as something attractive, as something that is sweet, something that is enjoyable. And that's why we continue to struggle. That even when you purpose to have one sin, before you actually come out of it, you are being pushed into another. And before we get to know, we are addicted to that sin. And that addiction is what now the Bible calls enslaving us. Sin enslaves us because of its power to be addicted to it. And so to get ourselves to walk with the Lord, we must be able to crucify this flesh. And that's why when 
Paul realized that actually he was still in this body and that the law of sin was still working within his members. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. Paul knew that actually from the time that he actually was persecuting the church, his flesh was really alive. He had the zeal to persecute the church. And he did it passionately. But when the grace of God was revealed to, to him, he had to see himself as one that needed to bring the body down and make it submissive to the spirit. And when he did that, today the testimony of Paul is what is strengthening the church. Friends, it doesn't matter what your life has been before. It's a matter of choice. And this choice is going to come with a lot of sacrifice. If your spirit that does not die must walk with the Lord, you must give the spirit the upper hand to rule over the flesh. There are times when the demands will be so high making you to feel like without this, I am gone. You know, the urge which, with which the, the enemy comes is to make sure that he does not give you any gap to think about God. Is to make sure that you are desperate and in that desperate situation, you never give a thought to ask God for a direction. The time when Adam and Eve were actually ready to eat that fruit, none of them ever thought of saying, let me inquire from the Lord again. Because God was their friend by then. He would come and they would actually talk with them face to face. But at that time, they could not actually feel the need to even consult with God. Why? Because the, the serpent had to put them in a situation, you don't take it now, you will miss it. You know? And that's the desperate situation sometimes we find ourselves in. The devil putting you in a corner where you feel this is the only opportunity. You miss this, you'll miss it forever. And not until when we have fallen into such temptations and we have fallen into sin that the devil will now step aside and becomes the accuser. May God help us that until when we learn to deny ourselves, then we are not ready to walk with the Lord. And he says, after denying yourself, pick up your cross. Now the cross that we are to carry, the cross is a symbol of suffering because of doing good. 
That's what the cross stands for. Jesus Christ went on the cross not because he did the wrong thing. All the accusations that were against him is because he was doing the right thing. Now, friends, when you choose to do the right thing according to God, which is actually termed as righteousness, you'll be hated. You'll not pull crowds around you when you choose to walk uprightly before the Lord. And so you'll suffer so many things. You'll suffer rejection. Others will even persecute you. That becomes your cross. As long as you know that whatever you're doing is giving joy to the Lord, let it be your pleasure. And so that is taking up your cross and taking your cross daily. And as you take your cross, you also say, follow me. You don't take up your cross and remain. You take up your cross daily and follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. And in following him means you are depending on him on a daily basis. He becomes your focus. And as we walk with the Lord, you know that there are times when we come to the Lord not because we have already overcome. Because sometimes we don't even have the strength to overcome this sin. But you know that the good news in Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 says, Come unto me, all of you who are tired and heavy laden. And I will do what? I'll give you rest. Brethren, we don't receive the rest before coming to the Lord. The reason why we come to the Lord is because we are overwhelmed. We cannot get a solution for ourselves. And he says, come with all those burdens. It is the Lord who helps us get rid of the burdens. I know there are times when people give conditions and say, God, if you can help me leave this, then I will give my life to you. Are you capable of taking it away? No. And that's why the testimony of one young man who came to receive the Lord in an overnight. He had come from a, a drinking place and was completely drunk. And in this overnight, he came just to, because he had some people singing in the church, so he branched. And as he entered, right at the entrance is when the Spirit of God hit his life. And guess what? That is the time they were making the altar call. And as he walks, coming, he walked straight up to the altar to give his life to Jesus Christ. And people who saw him staggering said, this one here, will he even stand? Today they will say, actually it is, the beer that is taking him there, he doesn't even know what he's doing. But I tell you, when he gave his life to Jesus Christ, he sat, and after a short time, he was sober, listening to the gospel. And to know that actually it was the Spirit of God that prompted him. In the morning, he got up, went back home, refreshed himself, and came back 
And this was now a Saturday morning. And introduced himself and said, I am the one who gave my life to Jesus Christ yesterday. Brethren, the surprising thing is that that was the last time he ever drank. And as I talk now, he has studied theology and is a priest. <clears throat> Brethren, there are times when we struggle with these sins in our lives. And we think like, God sought me out before I give my life to you. It's not according to your demand. The demand of the Lord is, come as you are. And let him sort you out. There could be sin in your life that you have been struggling with and wondering how you will get over it. Some of us are testimonies of what God can do. I gave my life to Jesus Christ when I was a young man in high school. And at that time, my struggle was with smoking. When people look at me, they, they don't ever think that I ever smoked to a point of being addicted. And one time when I was invited for a conference, a student's conference, and you, the people who were ministering was uh, uh, the late Stephen Galenga, together with Bishop Rombi and uh, Bishop uh, Obetia, they were the ministers during that conference. And that's one thing that I struggled with. So that the first few days of the conference, I could still struggle to get out of the conference and go somewhere and smoke and clean my mouth very well and come back. And when they were praising the Lord, I was also among them praising the Lord. And as the word kept on hitting my life, brethren, I couldn't escape it until when I actually had to surrender my life to the Lord Jesus Christ with cigarettes in my pocket. And I can tell you when I surrendered it, that was the last time cigarette ever touched my lips to this day. And that's why you don't need to give God a condition of saying, God, if you can do this, I will do the other. Come just as you are. If it is drinking that you're addicted to, come, give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. If it is a sexual sin that you're addicted to, come, give your life to Jesus Christ. And as you walk with him, you can now keep on inviting him and say, Jesus Christ, now you are in my life. Let us go and drink and hear what he will say. Jesus Christ, now my girlfriend is here. Let's go together and hear what he will say. And whatever he tells you, that's when, what you'll do. Because we know that the Lord has power to deliver. And some of the deliverance will take place gradually. As you walk with the Lord, he gives you the ability to say, no, I have been smoking four cigarettes in a day. Now I can reduce to two. The next thing you're only having one. And before you get to know, the whole day has passed without cigarette. The next day, a week, a month, and God gives you victory gradually. 
And sometimes it is instant, like it happened to some of us, that the Lord delivers you instantly. So, the way the Lord sets you free, it is his choice. Yours is to submit. Brethren, we are still in that war. But one thing that we are confident of is that when the Lord has called you to walk with him, he is the one that gives us victory. The devil is not scared of you. The devil is not scared of me. Despite my position, if he tempted Jesus Christ, who are you? But we know one thing, he received a good blow from Jesus Christ. And so each time you are tempted, the devil is only scared of Jesus Christ in your life. And as long as we purpose to submit to the will of the Spirit, the desires of the flesh will always be suppressed. And that's when we can get victory, how we can deal with this flesh. May the Lord help us that we shall always lean on the side of the Spirit. And as Paul said, let the flesh be crucified. Shall we pray? There could be areas in your life that the Lord is pointing to. And you know that you have been committing it before the Lord. And each time you get a, a slight break and you think you have gained that victory, you have seen yourself once again falling to the same temptation. The Lord may be desiring to deliver you, to set you free completely. But there could be things that you are still putting before the Lord and saying, God, do this for me before I surrender fully. This is the time to submit and say, God, here I am. I have been defeated on my own but I want to walk with you. I bring this flesh before you. The Lord, you may crucify this flesh, that you may nail it and give me that new self that is able to yield to your voice. Give me a new self that is able to hear your voice and respond. Surrender your desires to the Lord. That strong desire, that craving, and the devil is using this to pull you away from the Lord. That addiction, the Lord is saying, surrender it to me.
And as he surrendered to the Lord, the Lord is willing and saying, as you take your cross daily, it is going to be self-denial on a daily basis as you walk with the Lord and inquiring of the Lord. Precious Lord and Savior, indeed, we come before you this afternoon. Thank you for your word that has come to us this afternoon. Lord, admonishing us that, Lord, when we choose to obey the Spirit, Lord, we are able to overcome the desires of the flesh. And so, Lord God, this afternoon, Lord, we choose to surrender our lives to you once again. And all that we have gone through, we regret moments where, Lord, we have yielded to the temptations, to the cravings of the flesh, and we have disobeyed you, Lord. Have mercy upon us, Lord, forgive us. And as we surrender our lives to you once again this afternoon, we pray that you come and search us, Lord God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that every area of our lives where we have been expressing weakness, Lord, we ask for strength, Lord. And where, my Father, we have been leaning so much on the desires of the flesh, Lord, this day we lay every desire that we have at the foot of the cross. The Lord, that blood of Jesus Christ, will continue to nail and cancel every evil desires that has been growing in us and give us, Lord God, a willing spirit to walk with you. And we know that, Lord, you'll give us the strength to overcome, for it's not by power, it's not by might, but by your spirit that we are going to overcome. And so, Lord, Holy Spirit of the living God, we open our hearts to you this afternoon. We pray that you energize us where we have been weak, my Father. Lord, we pray that you strengthen us and give us the boldness to even share our weaknesses, Lord God, with the people who will walk with us, who will strengthen us along the way. For we know that the days we are in, Lord, is so evil. And the temptations, Lord God, have continuously crippled us, Lord, that we can no longer stand to even share our faith with others. But Lord, this day, give us the grace to surrender. Give us the grace to submit. That, Lord, we may see your power strengthening us and your spirit guiding us each day for the glory and honor of your name. So, Lord, we surrender to you, and we pray that, Lord God, may these words continue to be the theme of the meditation of our heart. And let the power of your word continue to transform our lives, that, Lord, we shall continuously be transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. For the glory and honor of your name, for we pray, believing and trusting in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you.